This is Paul Vanderclay. Mr. Reagan. <laughs> I always do like a crazy... I always do this ridiculously you know, dramatic in- introduction. This gentleman is the pastor of a church in Sacramento that I can't remember the name of. Livingstone's Christian Reformed Church. Livingstone's Christian Reformed Church in Sacramento. Sacramento. Excellent. Okay. Uh, uh, he's got his own YouTube channel. What's the YouTube channel called? My name, Paul Vanderclay. Paul Vanderclay. I will have the link in the description. Everybody go there. The man might be a genius. Might. I have I have a few I have a few very simple but I think very important questions to ask because of the way uh, you know society tends to think about Christians and conservatives and that sort of thing. So let's establish a foundation here. Okay. Question number one: Do you believe in God? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Question number one is down. Number two. Are you a Christian? Yes. Okay, excellent. You'd think a pastor would be, but you got to ask these things. <laughs> All right. Are you a conservative? Depends what you mean. Okay, okay. How would you define yourself? What category would you place yourself in politically? I, politically, I am a nomad at this point. Oh, so you're sort of like a, an independent, you would say. I, yes. I have, okay. I have over my whole life, Probably, I have over my whole life voted with black folks where I grew up, and so voted Democrat. Oh, you did? I did. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. Oh, okay, interesting. And, okay. and, and your friends and, you, and people that you knew in the neighborhood were all black. all black. Oh, interesting. So, okay, so are you now a Republican? No. Okay, you're not a Republican. Are you a Democrat? No. Okay, okay. But you, so you don't affiliate with a party or even a political philosophy. You're just... Paul Vander Clay. I don't. I don't think I have a. I, I. I don't know if I have a political philosophy or not. I oh, certainly really? have political thoughts, but probably not a coherent. I feel I, like I, I'm really putting you. I on the am spot a political. <laughs> I am a religious believer and a political skeptic. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because politicians are sometimes shady characters. Yeah. Okay. Pastors <laughs> are too sometimes. <laughs> that's, that's, this is why I can't find a church. <laughs> uh, not that the people, that, you know, not that the pastors and all the churches in L.A. are shady, but, you know, you've got to be careful. You don't want to just you go to any church. You want to find one with, like, a, that's true. Uh, somebody who speaks to you, somebody that you that's actually true. get something from the sermons as opposed to just... I, I found that there was a trend a while back, and you can tell me if you saw this, for pastors to kind of be stand-up comedians. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah. Uh, anything yeah. but pastors. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? I don't mind the, if a pastor's really funny and charming as long as he's saying something of substance. And I imagine you're a pretty funny and charming pastor, but you've probably, you're prob- I assume, since I've seen your videos and they are very substantive, that you all also have some substance in the sermon other than I just... I believe I do. Right. You know, I was in Oregon and there was this kid and, and he's the pastor of some church that will not be named. And he, uh, and he, I literally watched the entire sermon and... Like, heard nothing about, really, the gospel or God or anything. It was all him trying to make the congregation laugh because yeah. he, he seemed to, like, love the attention. He seemed yeah. to like being the guy that everybody loved and laughed at and all this. And I was really put off by that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's a well, that's digression. A, it's of a vocational life. liability right. to be sure. people pleasers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, because that tendency, that would be a temptation. Yeah. You're saying, yeah. Okay. All right, moving on. Um, Okay, so, okay, all right. Uh, So you're not a conservative, you're not a Republican, but you do, I I would imagine that you you tend to philosophically lean conservative in your political philosophy or or not. What what would you say to that? Would you you say you agree more with conservatives typically or with Democrats uh, or leftists typically? A lot depends on the issue. Okay. I've, I've... One of the things that I, I get on my channel, if I mention that I have often voted for Democrats, is difficulty with abortion because I'm against abortion. Right. I, I don't know that there's an easy answer to the question, the question surrounding abortion, but I'm not convinced that the way that we have legalized it seeks... Politics seeks shalom, which is well-being. That's what mm-hmm. we should sure. seek. Sure, sure. And, and a lot of the political 
disagreements are over strategy on how to get there. I I 100% agree with that. With with a with a uh, with another little thing I want to add on, but I want you to finish what you're saying. And so I, in many cases, with with issues, I don't know how to get to shalom. Mm. And so I listen to I listen to both sides. Right, right. I do, and I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, and I'm really humble as well. <laughs> Pretty much the full package, ladies. Uh, <laughs> the humblest. <laughs> Me and Kanye. Okay. So, <laughs> um, all right. So these next questions were kind of predicated on, uh, well, okay. So people like us who talk on the YouTubes mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, like Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro or something, often accused of pretty horrendous, you know, being hateful people. Oftentimes, I don't think you probably have been, uh, probably have been, not usually, you know, accused, accused of, of this. Uh, uh, some people have accused me of this on, on my comment section, but maybe like 0.00001% of my comments, very rarely, but um, sometimes in real life, just because of the positions I hold. So we got to go through these just to make, just to make a, just to make a, establish a foundation of what we're dealing with here. It might be hard. It might be. It yeah. might be hard. Okay, let's, let's go see. through this. Let's go through this. Are you a racist? No. Okay, awesome. Uh, 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 well, I'm a Calvinist, which means that I, I have racism in me. <laughs> okay, what does that mean? I mean, it means that I believe we, our hearts are naturally bent towards sin, and I, like everybody oh, I else, see. I see. Has, we tend to default for some groups and not others. And Tri- so, tribalism. Tribalism, yeah. yeah. And, and in fact, because of where I grew up and when I grew up, I might trust black folks more than white folks sometimes. Unbelievable. Disgusting. <laughs> Out <laughs> so, of my church. No. <laughs> so um, I think racism is, I think, uh, racism is part of the package. Of, of our sinfulness. I would, call, I would call what you're talking about familiarity bias. Yeah, yeah. So I don't actually think that that is uh, like hateful or, or, you know, some kind of like a try, an attempt to belittle any group or a sort of like a superiority thing or inferiority thing. I think that's a natural condition of, of being human. Yeah. And, I, and I think that it, it could potentially lead to problems. You know, you need to check yourself. And in society, we need to check each other. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that you being more comfortable with black people is in any way racist. I mean, especially since you're not black. Right. <laughs> but 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 a person who's Asian, of course, they're going to feel more yep. comfortable around people who look yep. like the people who raised them and cared for them, That's of course. Right. That's right. So I don't really think of familiarity bias. Oftentimes, we confuse things. Like, like for instance, sometimes people are just real jerks. And a black girl <laughs> might see a black guy being a jerk to her and go, well, he's a racist. No, right. he's just an a-hole. I mean... You know, I probably shouldn't say that in church, but you know what I mean? Like, the guy might just be a jerk, and you're, she's treating you poorly because he's in a bad mood or something, and you're asso- associating that with racism. It's not necessarily so. And that's I right. think that's a lot of where our, our brain goes right. in this country currently. Right. Racism has become an easy way to demean someone or mm-hmm. attack someone. And, and it's a very specific thing, and yeah. I think we need to treat it as a very specific thing. Yeah. You know, something that, especially since we have decided that it's, like, the worst thing in the world, we need to be very careful who we call a racist and i think that we are too free with that term it's turned into a weapon i think a lot of times political and, weapon and i think we have also in the way that we have addressed that there certainly are are many bigoted people in our nation and in the world of many colors and the way that we have dealt with bigots and racists as pariahs has actually made the problem worse because we put things underground Mm-hmm. And and it actually makes it more difficult for people if you know you're dealing with someone who's a racist. And in a sense, you can say, "All right," and and actually you can deal with that. Absolutely and I've right. seen that, you know, interpersonally. Mm-hmm. And and I think some of the social stigma we have used social stigma as a way of addressing something that we cannot address by shaming people. That's that's actually a fantastic observation. I, there is this uh, black guy, I don't remember his name, I'll, I'll, I should, should have looked it up ahead of time, but I didn't know I was going to get to this. Uh, he goes around and he introduces himself to white supremacists. Yeah, he yeah, he's, he's, he has guy? a YouTube show. Yeah, it's a terrific program. Yeah, he's on CNN program. and uh, he, they did like a profile on yeah, him. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, just a cool dude, yeah, man. Yeah. And there's like some uh, these white supremacists that got footage of them going, yeah. you know, this guy's a better man than most of you, like you know, yeah, yeah. KKKK guys yeah, and yeah. all this. And it's like a, like the leader of the KKK is like his best buddy. Yeah. 
And I'm just like watching this thinking, what is going on here? And on the Netflix show, if we're talking oh, about Netflix, the same guy, Netflix, yeah. I mean, Black Lives Matter just hated his guts. Of course. Because he was, you know, giving up the store. His... But in my opinion, well, okay, I'm a Christian. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a believer, but I'm a political, political skeptic. What he was doing was actually addressing the heart of yeah. those people uh-huh. who were racist uh-huh. And because, in a sense, they had their cards on the table, they, should, they could actually have a conversation about race that was productive. Yeah, and, and, and that's really the Christian route. That's right. I feel like, that's you right. know, love. That's right. As opposed to hatred. That's right. Uh, and, and not simply trying to control people by shame. Because mm-hmm. if you have power over them and you control them with shame, all you do is harden them in their position. Yeah. And you actually make racism worse. Yeah, I, Precisely right. I feel like in the 90s there was a kind of a subsection of the Christian, you know, Christians who were, uh, de- you know, really, really trying to shame uh, homosexuals, yep. right? Yep. And this really, um, I think, um, created a lot of sympathy for the LGBT community, or whatever yep. you call it. And uh, they became a much more powerful group in America That's because right. of that offensive stance, right? That's and right. I mean, where I grew up in Oregon, there was no church that ever espouse this idea of shame the homosexual it was yeah. like love you know love the sinner hate the sin or something like that right that was the idea and uh, the idea was like okay well everybody you know is a flawed person so you know they're welcome to this church just as just as much as anyone else and you, you know don't go around and bullying people because they're a little bit different than you you know maybe they've got a lifestyle you don't approve of but they're still a person you know you got to respect them and that was always the position of the christians that i knew that i grew up with and i know that that wasn't always true with every church um there's this um God, what is it what's it called the um Westboro Baptist, Westboro Baptist yeah. Church. Uh, they become infamous for this, yeah. for this, for this stance. Yeah. And in fact, in Britain, they constantly bring up Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah. Everything I see yeah. uh, in leftist media, whenever they talk uh, talk about Christians in, in the U.S. and gays, yeah. they always bring up the Westboro Baptist Church. And that those guys made us look so bad. Yeah. And it's like this small little That's weird right. group on the middle of nowhere. Right. And it's like, okay, that does not represent every Christian in America, guys. No. <laughs> like, Far from it. Like let's you know maybe you meet some real normal Christians in America that 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 represent the rest of us, and use them as the example that you know you don't have to use this one weird group, you know that to me that's such a disingenuous thing to do and the mainstream media all through Britain does that constantly I don't hear about them so much in America but the British media they can't stop talking about Westboro Baptist Church like England stop talking about those guys all right most people in America don't even know who they are but everybody in England does. It's ridiculous. All right, next question. Oh, this is uh, one. Are you a sexist? <laughs> <laughs> well, same answer as racist. Okay, no. All right, good. I like it. I like it. Well, it's an important thing to ask. You know, eventually somebody, you know, you might get big enough. People are going to start going, oh, you know, he's this, he's that. My, my mother is a woman. <laughs> well, <laughs> so is my wife. <laughs> That's good. So that's are my good. daughters. That's great. Well, okay. Yeah. So you, you respect these people? Yes. Okay, awesome. That's great. So I, I, I try, I, I work hard to try to respect everyone, especially sometimes people who don't deserve it. You know, it's, it's, it, that's important. That's actually very important. That's kind of the Christian sense, right? That's, that's the right. whole idea. That's right. Um, <clears throat> love your neighbor, love your enemy. That's right. It's such an important uh, <clears throat> fundamental aspect to Western civilization even. You you think these questions are silly, but people out there, you know, they they will, they they don't want to, you know, we get, people get labeled like this so much. I feel like I need to ask these simple questions. Are you a homophobe? Um, I'm not afraid of gay people. Um, I, (laughs) I, I would say no, but. Because of the denomination I'm in, some people might say yes. Oh, okay. All right. So, okay. So, what is so? Okay. So, let's get into the details of that. That's that sounds like a tough one for you. Okay. So, you have some kind of, um, I suppose, a disagreement or something about uh, the homosexual community that you maybe see as problematic or something like like this. What what is the specific? Idea? I uh, my denomination, and I agree with the stance of my denomination that God's design for human sexuality is a man and a woman. Okay, I I I, I I'm right there with you. I'm the same the same way. Um, you know, I've got a couple of friends with boyfriends, guy friends yeah. with boyfriends, yeah. and uh, I feel like 
it's important to show them respect, just like I was talking about, like, yep. you know, how my church used to teach us. And, uh, you know, they're two of my best friends in the world, really. Yep. And I have as much respect for them as any of the other people that I know. And I, I'll tell them I don't like, you know, I have a video about this, which is that um, homosexuality is to, to straight men, this, this is going to sound a little bit weird, but to straight men, uh, like ice cream and steak. <laughs> so this is my idea. This is my idea on this. You get a beautiful steak, right? Perfectly cooked, just the way you like it. And then you get this bowl of ice cream. Simple, pure vanilla ice cream, just the way you like it. Both delicious, both very appetizing. But then somebody cuts up the steak and puts it in the ice cream. <laughs> right? And it's hor- horrifying. You're like, why did you do that? You wrecked both the ice cream and the steak. And you ruin them with each other. <laughs> and so this is how I look at um, homosexuality from the perspective of a straight person. My heterosexual relationships with other men are very important to me, right? My just my male-male relationships, my brother, my best friend Kurt. Uh, I don't know you that well, but you. <laughs> these relationships are incredibly important to me. Not, not just like, you know, yeah, yeah, it's cool that I got these guy friends. Like, they're, they're a very important part of my existence. My father, my grand, grandfathers. Uh, and then my relationships with women, right? My girlfriends, uh, if I had a wife, my, my wife it would be. Um, incredibly crucial, very important part of my life. I don't want to see those things mixed together. So uh, we have this, uh, there's this guy, um, I think you, you maybe even talked about him. He's a guy that Jordan Peterson references. He talks a lot about the disgust mechanism in human beings. Oh, Jonathan Haidt. Jonathan Haidt, right. So Jonathan Haidt talks a lot about this disgust thing that we have, this disgust impulse, and, and Peterson references it a lot. And uh, I'm terrible with names, by the way. I may forget your name <laughs> at some point today. I, I, I'll, I'll keep my name in mind. I won't forget it. <laughs> okay, thanks. You can remind me. Uh, it's just something about my head. Anyway, uh, and I really that got me thinking about this stuff. And I thought, yeah, the, the disgust mechanism is like a legitimate thing. Yeah. It is to keep us from ingesting poisons and stuff like that. That's why we don't like the mixing of different kinds of foods. It's like it can be, you know, we need to, our brains need to know what this tastes like so that we don't feel like we're being contaminated. If you mix things together wrong, then it's much harder to tell if there's a contaminant in there. And so we're disgusted by that combination. But I think it's a good metaphor for this mixing uh, of, you know, romantic uh, relationships and in a, in a just, a, just a normal friend, friendship relationship. Uh, I think that disgust mechanism kicks in uh, with straight people. And there's not really a lot that we can do about that. We can try to suppress it, you know, but it's going to be there. And I don't think that's wrong. I think that's just a natural reaction that we might have. Now, I can still be friends with these guys, but the concept of the homosexual relationship still bothers me. I mean, I'm still going to feel uh, bothered by that. Um, so that's kind of my take on that. Um, and I'm also not fully convinced that every instance of homosexuality is, um, you know, they're born that way. There's this concept that they're all born that way. And I, I take great, uh, well, I, I just I disagree with it. I think that maybe some small percentage of people have this issue where they're literally born with their wires crossed. And they're, they're a man, but they're attracted to other men. But I think the vast majority of people, it's some kind of a psychological trauma that, that maybe you know, change, changes how they're thinking. You know, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I don't know. People don't study it because it's very taboo. You're not allowed to. Yeah, there's, it's difficulty. there's difficulty in getting studies in it. I, I, I believe it's, it's probably both and for many people. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Okay, all right. Let's see where my other difficult questions are that are very simple. But <laughs> are you a xenophobe? Do you know what that is? Yes, I do know okay. what that is. All right. um, no, it's I'm a popular, not a xenophobe. It's the I'm, new I'm, popular I'm, I'm high in openness. Okay, great. Okay. Um, all right, now this is... Okay, now we're getting to the more real questions. Those are the kind of silly questions, but um, but I thought they might lead to good discussions, which I think they kind of do. What? What? Okay, you've got a YouTube channel. Yep. It's getting kind of popular. What is your goal? What was your goal when you started it? What's your goal now? I wanted to have um, productive and interesting conversations with people. That's my goal. Yeah, because you don't really just just talk to your subscribers. Right. You either are talking to somebody in your show or you're talking about a conversation that you had with somebody often. Often, yeah. Um, and that's, that's very interesting. Okay, so you're more of a bringing conversations to people kind right. of a YouTuber. Right, right. Mm. 
And that's part of the reason why I like doing the meetups. Well, I'm a pastor, and pastoring is we do preach, we do teach, but it's about talking to people and listening. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I I don't, in full disclosure, I haven't watched a lot of his videos. (laughs) They're very long. They're very long. Well, the reason that I started is because you you featured one of my videos on one of your videos. And somebody sent me that, and I was like, who is this awesome guy who clearly has excellent taste? <laughs> and I remember you saying, like, I don't know what this guy thinks, but what he said here is right. Yeah, I thought you really nailed the point. Yeah, and, and despite, and we, we've talked about the production quality, you just use sort of yep. like a, a cheapo camera on your, on your, yep. for your computer. Uh, despite the, you know, the video production quality, it's a really good channel, I feel like. You talk about really great stuff, and you really go into depth about the stuff you're talking about. So much so that it might actually put some people off. Yes. But, but, uh, but somebody like me and anybody who's interested in this sort of intellectual dark web stuff, I think would find it really, really quite valuable and fascinating. Um, and so, yeah, that's a kind of a recommendation for his show. Let's move on. So your goal, and that's still your goal. So your goal originally was to bring these conversations that you were having, I assume, off, off YouTube and bring them onto YouTube. Well, I, I, like many other people who found Jordan Peterson, found what he was doing interesting. I thought it was important. I thought it was stimulating. And who was I going to, who else knew about Jordan Peterson in my world? Okay. And so then I was also reading Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death. And I thought about where, how does the Jordan Peterson phenomena and YouTube, how do they meet? And I had been blogging. I'd blogged for years. And so I decided I'm going to make a video. Okay. And I made a video and I thought, Maybe 10 or 15 people will watch it. Right. And and it was more than 10 or 15 people. It was a lot more than 10 or 15. <laughs> and then I started getting emails from people and letters from people and notes from people and people telling me their stories. And, well, I'm a pastor, so yeah. I can't turn my back on That's these people. That's right. That's right. I don't like to invoke, like, uh, you know, these kinds of, like, Christian-y words when I'm talking about it, about stuff, just anything. But that feels like kind of a blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Whole thing was no, it, it was it was a huge blessing, yeah. and it's brought me many conversation partners, and there are many, many really smart and interesting people out there yeah. that will never have their own YouTube channel. They will never be on TV, but they have access through you. In a, in a way, yeah, and and so to speak with them and to get to know them is an absolute delight. That's great. That's great. All right, let's see here. All right, this is, a, this is actually a good question. Okay. This is something that I'm curious about. Where do you see religion going in America? I don't think it's going anywhere. Hmm. I think we have a consumerist ethos that is not going to serve us well. The vast majority of churches in the United States are... Uh, less than 75 people. Mm. And so I think we will continue to see religion matter for people, but there's going to be a lot of institutional dislocation as we figure out how technology displaces relationships and the kinds of relationships we can build to address that. That's a really interesting point. Um, yeah, because because computers allow us to disassociate from each other, yep. like in the physical world, yep. um, and we were talking about that before, yep. like how these meetups are kind of cool because yep. it's another way for people to meet up. Yep. And now we're all kind of digitally talking. And, um, I mean, in a way, it brings the world closer together because you can, like, I can talk to somebody in, you know, Germany now, like that, whereas like you know, 50 years ago, you know, it would be a very expensive phone call, yeah. um, or you'd have to fly over. Um, but it, but it also allows us to edit each other. Mm-hmm. And, and part of how we grow as human beings is having to learn with the other part, with our relational partner, we can't edit. Because that's almost mm-hmm. always where the big growth goes. Mm-hmm. Because I have to learn to deny myself. I have to learn to forgive. I have to learn to endure. And I have to learn to love. And love isn't so much a feeling that I have for someone. But love is being able to sacrifice myself for the well-being of the other. Mm-hmm. And, and the temptation in a technological culture where you push each other further and further away is that I don't have to love, but that's also going to mean the isolation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you're, that, that's, that's interesting. Well, yeah, and also, like what you were saying about editing yourself, and you can't do that in, in no. person. Uh, uh, I will be editing this to make me look as good as possible. <laughs> Um, but that said, you're right. You know, if you're if you're if you're in a conversation, you kind of have to learn to. At some point, you're like, you don't have to, but I think mature people do learn that you're going to mess up sometimes. You know, you're going to say the wrong thing, and you just have to say, okay, yeah, yeah, I messed up. That's not what I, I meant to say, or 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 like, yeah, okay, maybe you're right, and probably not enough. I mean, even before the internet, people didn't do that enough. I don't no, think. No, no, but but but, but we are so wealthy. And we have so many options now that we increasingly just are become slaves to our desires. And, and what happens in closer relationships, you know, every mother, every parent knows this. You, you give up your life for your child. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it's in that process that all of the good stuff grows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my sister's realizing that. She's had kids. <laughs> yeah, kids, kids teach you that. You know, kids teach you that right away. You don't know how selfish you are until you have a child. That child will teach you because that child yeah. is the picture of selfishness. My sister would kill me for saying this. Hopefully she doesn't watch this. But uh, she was a very different person before she had kids. Yeah. Uh, uh, we didn't have a great relationship. Then she had her first kid. Instantly she was like one of my best friends. Yeah. It, like the next day. It yeah. was bizarre. Yeah. She completely changed. I mean, it really wasn't the next day. But, you know, it was yeah. like very soon after, she, I realized she's a very good person. You know, when before that it was all kind of about her, suddenly it was all about this kid, and she was suddenly just a much better person. It was bizarre. It's like she became an adult instantly. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and we started out talking about conservatism, mm-hmm. and in many ways, I mean, people look at Jordan Peterson and they call him a conservative, and he is, but he's a special kind of conservative in that he's saying, if you really want to learn wisdom, look back. Because yeah. we, we, we are going to have to change looking forward, mm-hmm. and we always do, and one of the beefs that I've had with conservatives over the years is many conservatives don't appreciate how much they actually are changing because if you compared conservatives now with conservatives a number of years ago, oh, there have been plenty of movement, just probably not in areas they're paying attention to. Sure. But the wisdom of conservatism is some of our best knowledge has been earned behind us. And so when Jordan Peterson talks about family and children and what they will do. It's exactly what you're talking about with respect to your sister mm-hmm. in that our, our affluence and our options, all of these things are wonderful things, but they have downsides in terms of our character. And so, well, yeah, okay, get married and stay married. That's hard. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really hard when you have the choice to leave. Mm-hmm. Have a child, you know, and don't neglect that child, but be devoted to that child. Right. I mean, Jordan Peterson's message of responsibility responsibility isn't just important for your neighbors out there. Responsibility is important for us to grow because it's, it doesn't come natural. And as, as David Brooks mentioned in a, in a times piece a while ago, this is the age of flaking right. where, you know, especially in LA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a, I have a kind of a similar, I had a profound realization recently, which was so, very much similar to Jordan Peterson, what Jordan Peterson says, but I call it, um, purpose or or, uh, or 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 like a um, what do I call it well my idea is that I realized that if if like my YouTube blew up a little bit more and you know I was you know I could go traveling and you know I could get like maybe a nicer apartment just a few little things yeah. or a little change in my life I would kind of be as comfortable as I could imagine I could be as happy as I could imagine there's there's nothing really would be wrong in my life mm-hmm. And this sudden dread came over me, and I was absolutely horrified at that prospect. And I and I thought, why? Why would I feel bad about feeling good? You know, why would I think perfect happiness would be dreadful? And I thought, you know, why? It's because you're stagnant, and there's something in the human condition that needs to be dynamic. We need mm-hmm. to be moving. We need to be pushing toward a goal, mm-hmm. right? So we need to have a purpose in life. We need to have something that we're trying to do. I think sometimes if somebody doesn't have a means of having like a really profound purpose, they'll take on a hobby. Like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of these old guys did back, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 50s. You'd see these guys with model trains and stuff. And the, yeah. the purpose was to design. And they had these great dreams of how they wanted their model trains to, 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 to be. But so even as something as small as that, as simple as that, 
can, can give us that feeling that we're pushing against something, that we're pushing forward. And, and, and Peterson has a really good idea of, of responsibility in that, like, the clean your room thing. That's right. Right? Because one really great thing to do is to find those things in which you fall short and try to better yourself and try to find those things that you're good at and try to even improve upon those and sharpen your skills. And those things, self-betterment, is a really noble uh, thing to, to do, and it also gives you that feeling that you're pushing against something. So for perfect happiness, this is bizarre, but for perfect happiness, we need struggle. Yes. You know, and, that, yes. and that's something I hadn't really thought about yes. until that moment, until yeah. I got to a point where I really yeah. thought I could be happy. Yeah. And I don't think I'm perfectly happy now, but I have little moments of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm a pretty optimistic guy. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like a happy guy. I, I think when you're a Christian, you you know, you, you do have this weird confidence where you feel like, I kind of know what's up. So uh, I, I feel like I'm kind of in a good place. I have a good foundation under me, and I, I, I have a good direction. And, you know, I have goals, and I have and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's rare that I feel really terrible. <laughs> have, you, have you read Tolstoy's Confession? It's a little book. I've been meaning to read Tolstoy. So, okay, that's, a, you know, that's the reason I haven't read him. Well, they're so the huge. Books are like the read, go find Tolstoy's Confession because it addresses exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Because Tolstoy had a, had a wonderful marriage, had more money than anyone, had a terrific career. Everybody loved him. And as Peterson has said, you know, he couldn't go into the barn with a rope out of fear that he'd hang himself. He couldn't go hunting wow. out of fear that he'd take his own life. And it gets right into Dostoevsky, um, same issue that Dostoevsky talked about. I have that. read Dostoevsky. I'm a huge Dostoevsky yeah. fan. Yeah. So read Tolstoy's Confession. Okay. It's, a, it's a powerful little book. I am going to read that. I am going to read that. Absolutely. Um, okay. The reason I really was interested in Tolstoy at first, well, despite the fact that I figured out that he was a pretty, I think, a devout Christian, um, but he, but he hated uh, Shakespeare, and I also, <laughs> and I also hate Shakespeare. And I read that, and he was like, "Shakespeare's a hack, essentially." And I was like, "Yes, yes, Shakespeare was a hack." I just loved it, you know. I'm like, it's just me and him. We're the only two that understand, you know, because I have a degree in literature. I had to read so much Shakespeare, and I was just like, Ew. you know, kill me now. Shakespeare's awful. Um, okay, no offense if you love Shakespeare, but. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So I asked you what you which direction you thought religion was going in this country, and you said it was kind of you, you're you're not hopeful. You're a bit pessimistic because you think that the internet is kind of dividing. No, no, that's not true. I I hard times are always good times for religion. Oh, that's an excellent point. Affluence yeah. is hard on religion. Yeah. Because money and other distractions become people's religions. Yeah. I think religious institutions are going to have a lot of dislocation. Mm -hmm. And I think, I suspect that the values of the older generation, the generation that lived through the Depression, and and the, the generation after them that built churches and built institutions and understood that you invest in communal institutions so that they're there when you need them, I think that we have a consumer ethos in our country that is not investing in institutions, and in many places in the country, the church is not going to be there when they need it. Now, I don't know how technology is going to mitigate that. I'm just exploring. I'm still kind of figuring out what's the relationship between church and YouTube. Right. I have no idea. I have people writing me that say, you're my pastor. Yeah. And... Okay. Well, that's the connection. That is the connection, but, but I don't know what that more means. You're giving people more access. Yeah, but I don't know what that means, really, because I do know what it means to sit here and have a conversation face-to-face. Yeah. -face. Mm -hmm. I can't Skype and Zoom, but uh, to be a pastor with, of someone is to have a little thicker connection in their life. Yeah. And so these, these, these editable yeah. connections... You could become more than like a megachurch pastor. You could become a pastor of like... You know, millions on YouTube, but I can only handle so many emails. That's, that's right. the thing. Yeah, that's and right. and part, that's part of the reason why I believe in doing these meetups because mm. even if they're not talking to me, something happens in real life conversation that is holy. You're and franchising sacred. your uh, ministry. I I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not getting what McDonald's gets, but I if people if people come to me, I exhort them to. Not just have virtual relationships, sure. oh, yeah, yeah. but have face-to-face okay. -face ones. So there's this idea that, yeah, people do 
I guess, call upon God in the harder times. Yeah. And they're less likely to do so in the good times. Yes. And that's always disturbed me a lot. <laughs> really. Like when I was a kid, you know, there were some tough times, but most of the time my life was pretty good. But I was still a pretty devout guy. And it always concerned me that if I got a lot of money and I was really, really happy, I would, I would kind of stop praying. Because why would you pray if you don't need anything, yeah. right? I mean, that's how most people perceive prayer. But to me, that was always wrong. To me, the reason that you pray isn't necessarily to get stuff. It's to show gratitude yes. uh, in, in, a, in a way. That, yes. For me, that that's was right. my thing. That's right. And, and um, so to me, I would pray in gratitude to God as opposed to, to, to as a desire for like material stuff, although sometimes I ask for stuff, uh, you know, for a better life or whatever, but, uh, you know, or for my family or something like that. But, but for the most part, I, I felt like it was important to, to be grateful for life because I thought life was kind of such a great gift. Um, uh, so how do you how do you deal with that dynamic where because because we want to make the world a better place for people yeah and, it, and that's that's part of our job that, that's a that's a tricky thing right so we we want to and that's that's why I'm a conservative to me it seems that people on the right at least in the spectrum of rationality right they're trying to make the world a better place for for the poor for the vulnerable they're trying to protect us with our military et cetera et cetera et cetera people on the left. Uh, I divide into different groups. I got a video coming out about the different kinds of, of Democrats, different kinds of leftists. But specifically the group that I call the dreamers, the people that want utopia, the people that are voting for Democrats in the hopes yeah. of egalitarianism and yeah. you know these glorious ideas, I think they genuinely want good things for the world. They're trying to make the world a better place yeah. as well. I think they just have misperceptions about the, the world. So we all want to make the world a better place. Our goal is to take the poor and make them richer and, you know, to create innovations and quality of life and make the world a safer place and a better place and blah, 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 blah. But if we get to a point where the world is fantastic and everything's, everybody's happy and wonderful, do people then kind of stop going to church and people stop thinking about God and stop praying and stuff like this? Well, I, your, your characterization of the left, I think, is a fairly... Um, a fairly recent arrival. Well, possibly true. Yeah. And and it's that's not my, that's my contemporary assessment that's right. of the left for sure. It's yeah. it's not, for example, I mean, I, I hate to break it to you, Mr. Reagan, but well, I wasn't quite old enough to vote for Jimmy Carter, but I probably would have voted for Carter over Reagan. <laughs> and and Carter, at least at that point, I think I think tried to epitomize some of the values of the older Democratic Party in terms of... Well, he seems like he was a good man. I, I yeah, like he I, think he's, I, I think he was... I mean, especially given how he devoted... what he devoted himself to after he left office. Sure. Habitat for Humanity. That's Habitat right. for Humanity. Um, and and he's, done, he's done quite a bit. This, this, recent, this, recent, this recent trend to imagine... And this is why I say I'm a political skeptic. This recent trend to imagine that in, in this particular way, we can fix the world. I think is I think is deeply flawed. I, I, I do not I do not think it can be done. I think and I, when I hear Peter Peterson talk about the left and the right, I think he gets it. I, I agree with a lot of how he lays it out in terms of, you know, the, the right traditionally has has made the point of, you know, personal responsibility. You you cannot you cannot be a fully formed human being without personal responsibility. You absolutely need that. I think the left has tried to major on. Okay, general, um, communal generosity to people who are in trouble, and and I think that's good too. Now there's an there's a big discussion. That's Should, what I would call compassion. Yeah. Right. Okay. Compassion. And I think and I don't find conservatives uncompassionate. That's my argument actually. But continue. And and actually, <laughs> I find you know some people on the right very responsible. Sure. The, the questions you know there are big questions about well how should you organize society. Well, those are those are big questions subject to debate. But like I said, I'm a political skeptic in that you say, okay, people people get religious when they are in trouble. Well, what happens if they don't find trouble? Well, you know what? Trouble will find you. Trouble will find you one way or another. And and part of part of when I look at what people imagine they are going to do to rescue others, they say, oh, we need to go into this poor community and and develop it. And I say, so like what? So like a wealthy community? But I can go into a wealthy community and you get behind closed doors and there is suffering behind closed doors. And they might have, money might not be their problem, but 
they can't get along with each other. Right. And so misery will find you. It's it's part of life. That's such a beautiful I like this guy. No, really. I was I was like, how's he gonna answer this one? I was impressed. That was good. That was good. That was that's absolutely right. I mean, I, I often say like because there is this there is this sort of divisiveness in America where people will say, Oh, this group a lot of people say like, Well, that's your privilege. That's your privilege. I get that a lot, right? Like from from like uh, sassy women, you know, fe- like strong feminists, right? Or like black guys that'll have a conversation with. They're like, we're oppressed, we're oppressed. And I'm like, you have the same job I do. You literally work at the same place. I was in a this this tower in the middle of downtown. Beautiful view, beautiful offices. Uh, you know, I was on the set of this show called NCIS, and I'm talking to this guy, and he's like, uh, he's like, oh, I'm, you know, black people are oppressed. You, you have privilege. I'm like, you have literally exactly the same job I do. He's like, yeah, but you grew up rich. You didn't have any problems. And I was like, my, I got all my clothes from Goodwill. My mom never bought me a new shirt as long as I, until I was probably like a teenager. Like, you know, you, you have no idea what I went through. Like, I'm not saying I had a terrible childhood. I had a wonderful childhood. We were poor, but I had a wonderful childhood, you know. And eventually my parents did end up making some money. My dad had a business. But... Uh, but he, he grew that from nothing. He literally grew, grew that from nothing. And, and uh, a lot of people have it way worse than I do and way worse than he did. And, and, and the reality is a lot of people are quiet about their struggle. A lot of people don't talk about their suffering. But everybody, like you say, everybody, like problems will find you. Like, like, you know, and, uh, and so you're, that's a really smart thing to say. Because even if we make the perfect society, individuals will have a hard time. And they will have moments of despair. And, uh, and in those moments, they're going to have to, yeah, there's always going to be, that's a good point. That's C.S. Good. Lewis begins his book, The Great Divorce, with a scene in a city. And in this world, you can have anything you want just by thinking of it. And if you keep reading the book, you pretty quickly realize, oh, that's hell. <laughs> well, what do you mean, hell, you can have anything you want simply by thinking of it? Well, it's this huge city. Why is it huge? Because right. people keep building houses further and further and further out. Right. And, you know, I... That kind of goes back to the struggle thing. That's right. There's no struggle. And so it's just everything's boring. Well, everything's boring. And then if, the, if you continue reading the book, then there's a bus and you can get on the bus and everybody's quarreling with each other. And the bus actually goes to the other place and, okay, you can, mm. you can live here. But heaven is difficult because everything is hard and real. And what that means is that it's resistant to our wills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's these these issues we are facing as a society. We part of the problem is that we tend to attention tends to be monofocal. So okay, it's privilege. I, I there's there's no question that in certain areas, being white is easier than being black right. in America. There's no question about that. That doesn't answer the question. What are you going to do with the cards that you've been dealt? Mm-hmm. It, you can you can you can sit there and say, you know, I'm oppressed. Okay, what next? <laughs> Doesn't yeah. help you. But I would counter that by saying, in certain parts of America, it's easier to be black than white. Absolutely. Well, these are the places I grew up. <laughs> but also Hollywood, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and and because they have an idea that we should help this guy, right? And the, this guy doesn't deserve our help because he's already privileged, that's right? And so the poor white male actor is going to have a lot harder time finding somebody to take him under his wing than the, the you know than the struggling black actor. Could you could know? very well be. In my experience, that tends to be true. Yeah, could could very well be. Yeah. But but the odds of the odds of I mean, those who reach the peak, yep. I mean, they're lottery winners. I mean, there's there's For sure. so many black, people. white, green. Right. If you reach the peak, you're a lottery <laughs> winner. That's right. I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, you never know. All right, let's see here. Okay, this is the last question I have on my list. After that, you know, we can talk about whatever. But um, I would say, because you're a big Jordan Peterson guy, that's a lot of why you started your YouTube yes, channel, right? Yes, yes. Uh, thinking about how our world is changing with the internet and with, you know, how church, the way church is going and things are, I think, getting quite a bit better. Um, in what way do you, th- do you see Jordan Peterson uh, playing a role in, in our changing world? That's a that's a really good question because for for those of us who are following him, he's a big deal. But for normals out there, 
you know, yeah, for those who don't follow Jordan Peterson and aren't aware of him, they don't even know what's happening. They don't right because it's a pretty big upswell of, you know, I guess philosophical change for the people that follow the the intellectual dark web people, especially Jordan Peterson. But for people who aren't aware of that, they don't know what's happening. They don't no, know how no. th- about this change that's happening. And, and there's a lot of conversation because I talked to a lot of people about Jordan Peterson. How how widespread will his movement grow? Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we have an answer for that. I was just. But even if he doesn't have direct influence, he'll have influence through me and you and, and countless other people. Oh, oh, many, many people, and they come and talk to me. Their lives have been improved mm-hmm. by him. And and as you know, I know the, the 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 massive debate about how to regard him, you know, whether or not as a Christian. You know, my belief is that God has used him mightily to rescue a lot of people from a lot of dark places that yep. they've been in. Yeah, and and that is no small thing. And when he talks about that, he gets choked up. I mean, yeah. I've seen him cry talking about the the positive effect he's had in a single person's life. That's right. You know. So at the VIP meetup in Sat when he was in Sacramento, I went there and shook his hand, got my picture taken, blah blah blah. But then I sat close because I wanted to. I was early in line and I wanted to watch all of the interactions. Sure. And it was person after person that came to him and basically said to him, you know, you, 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 you helped. You know, you helped me. You helped yeah. save my life. Wow. Because I was wow. going in a direction, and I, I hear these stories a lot from people. Yeah. And that's, that's a very powerful thing. I think if I ever met him, I'm going to say something like, uh, you know, everything was going fine for me. And then I watched your videos. <laughs> Plummeted. My life went awful. <laughs> Just to change it up a little bit. You know, here's that good stuff too much. No, uh, he's, he's had a profound effect. Oh, and yeah. I don't know where it's all going, but he's, he's certainly made this world a better place. It, it is an interesting thing because I do think that he affects people on an individual level. But but then like how does that how does that change the world and because I was you know I'm just thinking right now like I asked you where you think religion is going in the country and now I'm thinking where's Jordan Peterson drawing people and I and I and I've heard people um, I guess people just comment on my YouTube uh, sometimes they'll say like you know I was a pretty strong atheist and they're like now I don't hate Christians yeah because of yeah, Jordan Peterson. Yeah. And, like, to me, that's not necessarily, well, I'm a religious person, I believe in God, but they're like, well, I don't hate God now. Yeah. And, and it's like they're kind of willing to accept. And it's kind of a funny thing. I was actually thinking about this on, on the way here in the car. I was thinking, like, it's funny to me. Like, to me, conservatives and Republicans have always been sort of the Christian party. Well, most Christian Reformed people tend to be Republicans. Republicans, yeah. Uh, you know, most Republicans are Christians, and most Christians are Republicans. That tends to be true, I, I think. Um, uh, but now you're finding a lot of atheists uh, who are starting to accept conservative ideas. And that, that's, I think that says something kind of interesting because um, atheists are all about pure reason, right? Science, science you know, like uh, everything's got to be factual and, and data-driven and, you know, uh, measurable and, and demonstrable. You know, there's nothing that we can just imagine and believe, even though that's kind of nonsense, but whatever. Um, and these people are starting to shift a little bit. They're starting yeah. to say, okay, I mean, they're not strictly conservative. They tend to be libertarians. Right. Yeah. But they are saying, okay, the Democrats are irrational. Yeah. And the conservatives, the Christians, are the rational ones. Yeah. And to me, that's a very interesting shift. Yeah. It's like now that we have this big information flow, which we never had you know, before the Internet, we have this tons and tons of, you can get any information you want. The atheists are starting to go, oh, the Christians are right. <laughs> they're starting to move yeah. over. They're still excluding God from their vision. I think that's a, I think that's personal problems, like where they have some kind of a bad, you know, some some kind of a traumatic thing with regard to religion, or they just for whatever reason just hate the idea of you know Christianity. They find it boring or lame, or whatever. They reject God. They reject Christianity. Uh, uh, but they're like, I can't disagree with the, the with the logic. And so because of that, it, it, it's for me, it seems that like. A lot of people who are Christian are conservative. Conservatism, in my mind, is rational, but they're not necessarily intelligent people. Not every Christian is intelligent. You know, some of them are very, you know, they're just like, whatever. They just do their thing, and, and they live their life, and, and they don't, they're not particularly critical-thinking people. But they find themselves in, 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 in like, the sort of, like, realm of, of, of rationality. They find themselves correct. 
They, they find themselves somehow right. And I feel like religion is just drawing them to that correct statement. It's like, this is the natural state of things. If you can kind of like accept that, you will be correct, even if you're not critically thinking about it. And these people who are just critically thinking about it, that's all they do, rational, you know, reason, 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 find themselves in that same group. They just, they just exclude the God part, but, but they, 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 they accept everything. And I think that's a really weird thing that's happening and, and a and fantastic thing. A, a good culture enables people to live above the wisdom they're able to capture in their short little life. Mm. Good parents do that for their children. Good religion does that for their adherents. On the way here, I was listening to a, a, a YouTube video with Peter Boghossian and two other atheists. Peter Boghossian basically wrote a handbook on how to make atheists, an atheist evangelist handbook. I think he teaches up in Portland. And he was he and, he and these two other he and these two other individuals who are all, you know, lifelong Democrat leftists. The title of this video was Intersectionality is a Religion. Mm -hmm. And they were meeting with two Republican groups on the campus they were speaking at mm -hmm. and talking about the fact that this new wave is is so religious but it's not the religion it used to be. And they are, they are a little besides themselves seeing that they are getting more of a reception from Republicans and Christians and listening to their ideas than they have been from the left. Mm -hmm. And when I was, so I was, I only had a chance to listen to part of that on the way over here, but it, it, it accentuates the dynamic that we're seeing. Jordan Peterson is a part of that. When I was growing up, I, I have never been in favor of civil religion because what it tends to do is displace what I think is true religion for By civil religion. religion you mean like in, godless religion. No, no, civil religion, religion in service of the state. The state is your final goal and religious is supposed to serve it. This week I'm preaching on Daniel, Daniel 3 where Nebuchadnezzar has everyone worshiping the statue. And this is Nebuchadnezzar's way to marshal religious forces to get the nation behind him. Mm. So during the Cold War, we recruited God to fight the godless communists. Mm. What we have been seeing in the last 10 years is the rise of civil religion on the left. Mm -hmm. And it has become increasingly a religion in all of the negative ways that many of these hardcore atheists mm -hmm. have been denouncing for years. And it's in that way that atheists like Peter Boghossian are waking up and saying, oh my goodness, what, what has the left become? Right. And it's, I think that's part of the sea change of what we're going to see that this leftist utopian package, it, it's, it's incoherent, it finally won't work, and they eventually eat each other with it. And you need a better platform upon which to build a coherent, productive society. Well, I couldn't agree more. I don't, I don't approve of the negative association with the idea of religion with irrational thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Peter Boghossian's argument. Of course, that's his argument. And he looks at uh, this group and says they're completely irrational. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's really like, yeah, I mean, I just don't like that language. Uh, I, I find that a lot of religious people will say, you know, I, I love I love Jesus, but I'm not religious. And it's like, come on. Is your, was your grandma like, a, you know, a heathen because she considered herself religious? No. That's just like the language of today. We so demonize the word religion. I think especially because of these evangelical atheists basically associating it with a lack of reason that um, I think the sun is too low now and it's messing yep. up my shot. But uh, <laughs> they've so uh, strongly associated religion with lack of reason that people don't want to associate it. They're like, oh, you're just sheep. You're just followers. And like traditionally, that's never been what religion is. No. I mean, religion is full of the most brilliant scholars in history, um, serious academics, uh, people who have, I mean, much of the Western world was developed by, you know, deeply religious people who were motivated to discover things about the world, you know, at least in part because they were mystified by the wonder of God's creation, right? And uh, there, there's this argument amongst atheists that uh, uh, a belief in God uh, somehow stops uh, research, stops a, a fascination of the world because you just say, well, just God made it. I heard... Um, so anyway, it Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Thank you. 
Uh, yeah, I heard him in, in a speech uh, present this argument. Newton was this genius, and he solved all of these problems about the way the universe works and stuff like that. And he understood the way the planets um, rotated around the sun to some extent, the way the moon rotated around the earth and all this kind of stuff. Um, but he couldn't figure out the interplay between the planets and how gravity affected, like one planet's gravity affected the other planet's gravity and how that all worked together. He said, this guy invented calculus, he invented all this stuff, but when it came to that question, he said something like, well, isn't God's majesty amazing? Or something like that. That was what he said. And he said, so, so he, could, he could have figured it out. His argument goes, he could have figured it out, but he just threw his arms up and said, well, isn't God great? And so the, the belief in God stopped him from thinking of that. Hmm. And my counter to that is, well, then why didn't... Why didn't his belief in the glory of God stop him from figuring out calculus <laughs> or, or all the other gazillion things he thought of? No, he just stopped there because either he wasn't interested in doing it. Oh, you're trying to give us a little shade there? <laughs> you're a true gentleman, sir. Oh, look at that. We've got, a, we've got lighting people now. <laughs> Thanks. Hopefully that, that works. I think that looks good. Yeah. That looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Um... So, so I was thinking, like, no, well, no, no. He wouldn't have thought of anything then. If God stops you from thinking of brilliant things, why did you think of anything? <laughs> God inspires you to think of brilliant things. Without God, there's, there's no purpose for anything. There's no real reason for anything. And, and if this is all a random accident, you can literally kill babies, and there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, nothing ethically wrong with that because you don't have any real value. I don't have any real value. We're all just a big accident. Nothing matters. Nothing. Uh, and, and to me, that does not does not appear to be correct. Does not appear to be correct. We're the only things in the universe with a consciousness that we're aware of. We we can perceive the universe. We can perceive ourselves. We can actually document it. We can affect um, significant change in the universe. Uh, serious, like maybe in a thousand years, we'll be able to like actually like modify the rotation of the planet. I mean, who knows what we're going to be able to do? Uh, and uh, to, to, for a an entity to have that kind of capacity um, and be the only thing in the observable universe that has that capacity, to me, that is incredibly special. And, and that looks like something of design. That looks like something that is intended to be there for some kind of a reason. Uh, and, and so to me, the whole argument about atheists, atheism, none of the arguments make sense because they all go back to, well, it's an accident. It all goes back. Like, why are you even debating yeah. us? <laughs> That's right. You should be on safari hunting down random human beings uh, or doing whatever else weird thing that you want to do because you're, you don't believe anything has a, has a reason. I think that the ultimate, the ultimate logical conclusion to atheism is nihilism. But atheists never accept that. I don't, I don't get it. I've never really understood. There are, there are some atheists. I, in the video I just did, um, Alex Rosenberg has a basically an atheist guide that he wrote and he's he's a full-blown nihilist and he mm -hmm. and and many when they get to so the he point he does accept that he does he says this is if you it, logically if you look at our position there is no meaning there is no purpose there are no moral absolutes and that's my if you're an atheist and you don't accept nihilism as the ultimate conclusion of atheism you just haven't thought through atheism like at least that guy's honest about what he's saying yeah. and that's why peterson looks at sam harris and and matt delhunte and says Deep down, you're kind of Christian. Yeah, you at least accept <laughs> you accept a world in which you know there is a God. Even if even even if you don't believe in God, you function in a world in in, in such a way that you you do believe in. You God, live as if yeah. there is one. Yeah, yeah. Because you live as this, as if there is good and evil mm -hmm. and right and wrong, and and that the things that you are moving towards are in fact worth moving towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fascinating. Do you have anything else interesting to say to our Because <laughs> so far, this has been terrible. <laughs> well, Huge I, waste of time. I, I, I appreciate, you know, and, and so we're going to reciprocate, and we're going to do a Zoom call, and we're okay. going to do right. my little thing. All right. Yeah. And, and, um, and no, I just appreciate, like I said, I got into this thing to meet interesting people, and you're a very interesting person. Uh, and this has been great fun. <laughs> Thank so you, sir. I really appreciate all right, this. All right. This has been Paul Vanderclay. <laughs> uh, my new friend and a, a true gentleman and, and a real scholar and somebody who you should follow on the YouTubes. 
Um, what, what's the church we're at here today? Cross Point Christian Reformed Church. Okay, and so and and so we're I guess we're broadcasting. We're not really broadcasting, <laughs> and we're recording at uh, Cross, Cross Point Cross Point Christian Reformed Church here in Chino. Are we in Chino? So if you're in the area and you need a church, this is a good one. It's really nice. Ask really for nice. John. Ask for John. What's your last name? John Van Donk has uh, facilitated this, uh, this That is interview. a true Dutch name. <laughs> it really is. You're Dutch, he's Dutch, and I'm German. So <laughs> We won't hold it against yeah, you. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to war at some point. Yeah. The Dutch always lose. <laughs> <laughs> my, my best friend, one of my really good friends, uh, Edwin uh, Vandenacker, he's, uh, he's a Dutchman. He's over there in the Netherlands. Uh, shout out to him. How you doing, Edwin? And uh, yeah, so I've been there a few times. I love it. You guys oh, been to, to the I Netherlands? never have. He was born there. Oh, yeah, you were from the Netherlands. Right. Right and then yeah. he's going to be back here next month. Is that right? Okay, well, say hi to Edwin for me. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> a small, small country. country. <laughs> 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 All right, well, thank you. You know everybody is. Yeah, you know everyone. All right, uh, well, that's it for me. If you like this uh, video, hit the like button. If you want to see more like this, please subscribe. And definitely subscribe to Paul Vanderclay's channel. Uh, I guess that's it. All right. Good night. Together, with God's help, we can and will resolve the problems which now confront us. And after all, why shouldn't we believe that? We are Americans. God bless you and thank you.